What is Agent Ignite? Are you wondering how you can make more money and create a competitive advantage for yourself and your clients in this ever-competitive real estate industry? Agent Ignite is the key to furthering your knowledge, establishing your expertise, and positioning yourself as a go-to expert. They deliver new and relevant knowledge so you can expand your clientele, close more deals, and ultimately increase income. Each month features a new guest speaker who will deliver on what is most relevant for your business. As a member of DMAR's Market Trends Committee, an avid champion for building wealth through real estate, and a self-proclaimed data geek, Nicole will share market trends and commentary that will add value to you and your clients. Staying up to date on industry statistics coupled with niche topics delivered by industry experts will help you motivate your buyers and sellers and make you more money. Sign up for the next Agent Ignite session at theruthteam.com slash events. That's T-H-E-R-U-E-T-H team.com forward slash events. Like at the time, I couldn't actively invest all of what I was earning. I just didn't have the bandwidth. So I got into syndication investing. And that was like as an LP, so a limited partner. And when that happened, it was like, oh, wow, I could make 15 to 20% and do nothing? Why would I invest in the stock market? And that was like the light bulb moment for me. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Still at GoBundance. And today our guest is Mark McGuire. Mark is... Four generations have been in real estate. Um, But before becoming a real estate agent, he spent six years in property management uh, and maintaining the interior and exterior of a 130 rental unit building, conducting full remodels, uh, flipping bank-owned properties, and and short sales. So he's done a lot in real estate. To get to meet Mark, it was great to meet him uh, just in person. One thing that's so cool about him, he he was a professional drummer. Uh, And so I don't know if many of you know this, but I also play drums. I love playing. I play at church most Sundays, and and just re- and it's just great worship for me, really. But selfishly, but I enjoy playing, and it's it's just neat to hear that background of his. But also, what how he's building a, an amazing business, right? And I mean, he got his license while he was a drummer, and had to make some hard decisions there uh, to to go make this happen. But also, how he's been an LP, he's been a passive investor before becoming a, a GP. Uh, and, you know, and he's going to talk about many things that uh, how good operators rise to the top and some things he learned as an LP about good operators. Uh, and so I think whether you're an LP or you're, you're a passive investor or whether you're an active operator, there's going to be some things that you're going to learn from him that he tried to emulate right? as he became, um, uh, you know, got more on the general partnership side of deals or trying to do bigger deals and even vetting deals. I, I know you're going to learn a lot from Mark today. We're back at GoBundance. I am excited to be in person. I don't get to do too many in-person interviews. So I love the the energy that comes from being at an event like this and being able to do an interview, actually looking somebody in the face without you know having to hit the Zoom button, right? Uh, actually, I still hit the Zoom button so we can have the video. But however, I could see the person, you know, the guest in person. Uh, and so our guest today, another amazing entrepreneur, a guy who has made big things happen, right? I know many of you are going to relate to his story. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Woody, thanks so much for having me, man. It is an honor and pleasure. Yeah, pleasure to meet you and have you on. Uh, get us started. Let the less guests know a little more about you know who you are. I know your you know your your background in real estate uh, wasn't always commercial real estate, right? But you made a transition, and I, I know that transition's hard for all of us at some point, right? Uh, typically, a lot of us have some kind of job or some other thing that we're doing, and we see this opportunity in real estate to start our own business. 
you know, and I think you did that, right? So give us a little bit of that background so you can help the listeners uh, that are pursuing the same thing. So uh, my first uh, actual real business, uh, first LLC I ever owned, actually was in a band for seven years. We played professionally. And um, what'd you play? Played drums. Do you really? I play drums as well. Probably not as good as you, okay? But I, I do play. I, I enjoy it. After I got out of the band, man, I kind of dropped it. I just kind of lost the spark for it. Yeah, I played in a band professionally for seven and a half years, dropped out of school. You know, we ended up touring, toured the country, we ended up getting a record deal with RCA Records, and I had gotten my real estate license at the time. I was kind of like, always had my hands in a couple different pots, and music doesn't pay a whole hell of a lot until it pays a ton. So it was a matter of, you know, trying to make, make money while you're floating, you know, just all these costs of touring and merchandise and recording and we didn't have the label to back us. So that was like an incredible opportunity. And when we got that contract to RCA and we read the terms, I had been in real estate sales. I had gone and read about, uh, I think I had three deals under contract. I'd been working for, I had my real estate license for two years. I had more money guaranteed to me in one month than I was going to have for seven album cycles for the RCA record contract. And I was like, on what planet would I sign this? Because of your real estate business or your license that you had just gotten. Yeah. I had had $15,000 in change in commissions in the month of uh, June 2014. And I remember the net to me after I did all the math of the advance, which was the only money that was guaranteed to us, was like $6,700. And it was seven album cycles, which is on average two to three years per deal, per album. I was like, I'm out. So that was like when I went to to real estate and really was like, all right, well, I just got to burn the boats here and make it work. Interesting. I mean, so... I mean, becoming a professional musician, uh, that, that doesn't happen just overnight, right? Uh, that's many hours of practice, and especially with a band, with others, right? You all spend so much time, and, and I can relate to that in, in some, some different ways. And not just, I'm, I'm not a professional drummer, but I, I, I do enjoy playing. But I did have a passion that I had to give up for a while, right? Uh, you know, and and we, I was training horses professionally. Many of the listeners have heard that story, but we, had, so we sold the farm, right? So we could commit to commercial real estate. Uh, and it sounds like here, I mean, you, it sounds like you were well on your way or at least you thought at the time, doing something big as a musician, right? However, you said, you know what? It's best that I cut that off. That wasn't easy, probably. No, I mean, you know, it was like a gradual but sudden thing where I was kind of feeling a gap in our direction. And I was the logistics and the money and a lot of the math and figuring out solutions. And these were like artistic people. Drummers tend to be the logistics guys. It's just the way it goes. But um, I ended up being in feeling like I don't like the way music was going. Music was going much more electronic and I didn't like it. And I was like, I didn't identify because I was much more of an organic drum type of guy. I'm not a hype guy. I'm just like, let me show you. Don't like, I don't want to put up the smoke in the mirrors. I'm just not that guy. I'm just more meat and potatoes. I'm a straight shooter. What you see is what you get with me to the point that it pisses some people off, frankly. But, um, with the band, it just like, it was a very clear moment where we went into a meeting and it was like, I'm quitting or you're kicking me out. So you don't, and I'm like, you go first. And that was it. There was a very clear moment of like, we needed, we needed to pivot. So when you got your license, did you already have an idea then that maybe the musician thing wasn't going to work out? Is that why you did that? I just, you know, I always liked the game. I mean, I enjoyed money. Money to me was freedom. I feel like growing up between my grandfather and my, my house, like I felt like my parents were very type A and um, my grandfather was very type A. So I didn't have the authority to make my own decisions sometimes. And it felt like with money, like money was like a tool that they had used to control me. And there was always strings attached to everything. And I'm like, I want to live life with no strings attached. And so to me, the way to do that was to make money to say, Hey, I don't need you. I can pay my own way. I can pay for my car. I can pay to live. And you can't tell me what to do. For me, it was an ego, totally ego based. 
entirely. Okay, but you did get your license and you started making some things happen, right? And you noticed that, hey, I can make some money doing this, right? In this real estate thing over here. And maybe this musician thing's not what I thought it was going to be. You made the hard decision. Tell us about that. When, when was it, I guess, approximately time frame from then till, you know, you obviously you got in commercial real estate. Uh, but, uh, you know, what were some things that you were going through then to finally go to from being a, an, an agent to what you're doing now? Uh, when I went and pulled the ripcord from the band, residential real estate sales, it was this thing where I'm like, well, I get paid to like socialize and like go to take people out to eat. And like, then I got to sell houses and it's really not that hard. And I, I got a lot of significance from constantly being on the phone and people calling me and texting me. So then I was like, come across Keller Williams and you know, the, the idea of building a team. And I was like, Hey, yeah, I want to build a team. I want to have a business. So it's not just like me as the, the lone ranger gunslinging and, you know, eating what I kill. And you got times when you're fat and happy and you got times when you're starving. Like, I want to go and build a business that can stand on its own two feet and run itself. That became my mission, like 2015, 16. And then I just started pursuing that. What you realize is wage doesn't make you wealthy. At some point, you got to take the wages and you really need to park the wages in investments. And that's where all the wealth is made. And wealth is what truly pays you to do nothing. And most people don't understand that. So that was my whole game was how do I go and start parking money? And I was doing single families. And then I like went and did like quadplex, brought in some partners, learned a lot of mistakes that I made were not so good. So I shouldn't repeat those. And then decided, okay, let me just, I'm running out of bandwidth here because I'm chasing, I'm babysitting humans because that's what you do when you have a business. I don't care what business vertical it is, you babysit and everyone makes their problem your problem and you have to figure out how to, like at the time, I couldn't actively invest all of what I was earning. I just didn't have the bandwidth. So I got into syndication investing and that was like as an LP, so a limited partner. And when that happened, it was like, oh wow, I could make 15 to 20% and do nothing? Why would I invest in the stock market? And that was like the light bulb moment for me. How did you first learn about syndications? Because there, there's so many people, who, I mean, it, it seems foreign to me right now, but that are like, I never knew this existed. Is this, where did this come from? How did I not know this was here? But how, how were you introduced to the syndication or commercial real estate investment? It's funny because when I got introduced in syndication investing, it was like 2016. And podcasts really weren't as big of a thing back then, right? Now everyone has, you know, people have pod, you can find a podcast on anything. And when we were doing, like back then, it was like kind of like the, black market. It was like the black market of real estate where I was like, can you trust this? And how do I know that I could trust this? So I found out about it through a mentor who owned a couple of Keller Williams offices, one of the ones I happened to work at. And when I got introduced to it, I was just obsessed. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. It's owning real estate and with none of the BS. Yeah, especially after owning some small rentals, probably, right? Doing some self-managing. I was the same way. Dude, I beat my skull against the wall. Like, it was just like, how many times do I have to run into this wall before I realize, like, there's another way around? I was going to say, I have lots of brain damage from the first couple triplexes that I bought. Yeah, yeah, you call it beating your head against the wall. Same thing. Right. Uh, and that's why I, I also loved the syndication. But tell us, okay, you, you went in as an LP, you saw this opportunity. How did, how did you learn about being an LP? And obviously that's limited partner, uh, passive investing. Uh, how did you learn about that and be confident enough to, to partner with somebody and actually say, okay, here's, you know, my hard earned 25, 50K, whatever you did? I always bet on people. I think that's one thing if you take nothing else away from this. Like, you have to understand a good operator can make a bad deal great, a bad operator can make a great deal terrible. And you can make a spreadsheet, say whatever you want. And uh, truthfully, like, I didn't know anything about syndication. I trusted the people who were like, 
showing me what these look like and they were showing me certain operators and they were exposing me to how it worked transparently didn't know the vast majority of what I was doing. I was just stupid enough to write a $50,000 check. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to learn as I go here. And I didn't graduate college. So if I lose this 50 grand, that was 50 grand that I was supposed to spend at college that I didn't. And that's my education. So I kind of framed it up like, dude, it was house money, man. Like I was supposed to, I saved myself from $50,000 of college debt and this could cash flow and make money like right away. Like how do I lose here? Cause I would have burned that money anyways. Just lit it on fire. That's awesome. I'm, I'm thankful you took that chance, right? And then you learned a lot probably about commercial real estate, about syndicating by uh, investing passively first. Walk us through the transition then from LP to becoming a, a GP general partner You know that, that you are now. I am an investing junkie uh, and I'm just wildly curious. And I got to a point where when I decided to make the, the shift and stop doing active to passive, I was like, how many $50,000 checks can I write? And then how soon can I write? And what I realized was, then you have the K1 issue. So now that's my, like, this is like, you know, tax time and we're, you know, trying to prep for that. And I'm like, and what I ended up realizing was I was sharing deals back and forth with people that I knew had the ability to write the $50,000 check, not because I wanted something out of it or there's something in it for me. I just like the game. And to me, I just think that's where most of the greatness is born is just when you love the game for the game, for the sake of the game, and you don't make it about money, you don't make it about like a, an expectation of an outcome, that's where the sauce is. So for me, I was just sharing deals with people. I'm like, hey, I like this deal. I like this thesis. I, I think the operator's got good, good track record in the space. I like this deal. Tell me why you don't like it because I want to make sure I don't lose my money. I got smart enough to toss deals back and forth and it was a way to actually vet the deal with somebody else to see how they could poke holes. That's a great idea, especially early on. I, I think anytime, no matter how experienced you are, right? Other people are going to look at different things. They're going to focus on different things, whether they're experienced or not, and have different questions maybe than you have, maybe you haven't thought of, right? I think it's a great uh, piece of advice there. So so you eventually became a general partner though, yep. right? Uh, you know, What pushed you to that and, and how did you do that? So with the residential real estate sales team, I was like, kind of like committed. You're like coming down the hill and you like take a path and you're just like, well, I can't really climb back out of here. I'm just stuck in this chute and the only way out is through. So I'd gotten to that place with my team on my real estate team and then decided, all right, this isn't filling me up. I'm doing this. And I kind of built a prison for myself with this real estate team. And, and I liked the income and the lifestyle that it would allow for me to have. But what I didn't like was just what I had to do to get it. And I was like, man, there's just gotta be an easier way. And so being that I was trading, you know, tossing investments around with a bunch of different people and kind of telling them, hey, look, like I like this. And, and I had, you know, track record of success. I'd done single family. I'd done quadplexes. I've, I would go into different asset classes. And so for me, like I was just curious. I would just soak up everything I could. But the key was the person that connected me to them. So I, once again, very people driven, relationship driven. Everything is trust. And it's all about trusting the operator. So it was about trusting the person that got me connected. And then once I was in the, that like inner circle of trust, I just kept asking questions. And the more questions I asked, the more that I learned. And ultimately what ended up happening was my partner, Sergio Altamare and Corinne Altamare, they had started Hearthfire on their own. And they've been syndicating small multifamily for like seven or eight years at the time. They had just transitioned to self-storage. I was helping my family, 1031 Exchange, some smaller, like our dogs and our single family. And we were 1031 exchanging and we were going into Delaware Statutory Trusts. Explore that concept. If you don't know what it is, it's basically like a, it's kind of a REIT, but you own it in terms of like you're on title. So you, it's an eligible way to 1031 funds from a small property to a larger property where you truly become passive. And so stumbled across self-storage and 
I was like, wow, low operating expense ratios. It thrives on transition. So good markets and bad markets, it's, it's successful. There's really low maintenance and you have a lot of unsophisticated operators that, and it's mom and pop owned. So it's like 65, 35 mom and pop to institution, whereas pretty much every other asset class is, is the inverse of that or worse. Probably worse. Yeah. And so I want to ask you, I want to fast forward a little bit, but I want to ask you, you were an LP, you noticed things in certain operators, you know, and now you become an operator. What are some things that you picked up that's, you know what, I, I like how this operator did that. I want to emulate that in my business, or I want to do that the way he did that, or some of the top, just some best uh, top operating practices that you learned. Communication is so clear. I mean, I've seen your platform that you guys do and, you know, monthly. I mean, you guys are machines. Like, God bless you for it. I I don't know how you do that. Like that level of consistent communication, clear expectation management, setting expectations, and then holding to those expectations. So a lot of people who tell you one thing and then, you know, things are late, financial reports aren't there. You know, that's a, that's a a sign of like, "Mm, this is a little messier than, I don't know that I like, I trust everything that's going on. I'm not seeing everything in the day to day. Don't know if I can trust it, but clear communication consistently with very clear expectations that are met and or exceeded. And, you know, I don't even look at it from a projection standpoint. I mean, we've had such favorable tailwinds on our market in any market. I don't care what market you're in, like every, the wind has been at your back. The next two to three years, you're going to see the cream rise to the top in terms of operators because people that know how to buy and know how to operate are going to still provide returns. People who don't are going to get exposed for swimming naked. Well, let's speak to that a little bit. I know we're running low on time, unfortunately, uh, but on that, on that same train of thought, you know, with what's happened with your experience and meeting and investing these other, op- and with these other operators, uh, but then now becoming an operator and what's happened over the last year or two, you know, with COVID and all the pandemic mess, you know, how has that changed? Maybe how you look at deals, right? How are you prepared for that potential downturn? Yeah. So, I mean, when I've participated as an LP, I always want to know what assumptions is that person making? Now, granted, when you're doing you know, syndication, you're making assumptions five years in the future. Did anyone foresee COVID coming in 2019? The answer to that question will be no. Like looking in your magic crystal ball trying to figure out what the future looks like and nobody truly knows but the people that i like are the ones that are you know not using assumptions to make their deals look better than they really are what are you buying this going in at in terms of cap rate what's your exit cap rate and you know have you stress tested it so what happens if cap rates expand instead of contract which they're, they have to what happens if debt jumps how does that impact what someone can truly pay and still make the debt service coverage ratio covenants you need to make for the loan so for me i always want to know how have you capped your downside because preservation of principle is paramount. That is the key. I mean, because you got to work so much harder to make it back. No doubt about it. Preservation of capital. And I think you need to make that clear to your investors that it is a goal of yours, right? You're working hard for that. Uh, and, and how you represent your assumptions and all those things are going to show an investor that as well, right? Tell me though, I'm going to fast forward a little more uh, and quickly, like what, what's your best source for meeting new investors right now? Yeah, the best way that we've meeting new investors right now, truthfully, is podcasts. I mean, honestly, podcasts are such a critical way for people to learn about you. You can just go one to many and such a broad swath of people. Is that your own podcast or is that being interviewed on others? So we don't have our own podcast yet. Leave it to Sergio. You know, he'll have 17 ideas by tomorrow, but uh, it's other people's podcasts, but it's knowing which ones to get on. But it also comes down to like, you got to go on ones where no one listens and no one cares to tighten your story up so that when you get on the ones that count, you're clear and concise with your message. That's some great advice right there. A good friend of mine reached out and he said, 
I, this certain podcast reached out and it's a really big name podcast. He's like, I've never done one before. I said, let's talk and you need to be on my show and you need to be on numerous others in the, within the next two weeks, <laughs> you know, just to polish that story a little bit, right? So great advice, no doubt about it. Tell me a couple of daily habits that you are disciplined about that have helped you achieve success. Journaling. Without a doubt, uh, it, it is a way that my brain like I quiet my brain and it's a way that I think through complex challenges. That's been a game changer for me. Actually, it was at GoBundance conference three years ago that that caused me to like it was a journal for 30 days straight challenge. Never been the same since. Is there a specific thing you're journaling? Is it just thoughts? Is it just open-ended? Is it questions you're asking yourself? What, what does that look like? It's an open page. It's blank. And whatever I'm thinking at the time, whether I'm, I'm, I'm working through an issue or I'm just coming from a place of just in, intense gratitude, it's just whatever I feel in that moment. And sometimes it's just super stupid. Like if you were to read some of my journal page, you'd be like, what the hell? Why did you write this? Like, and like, you just lean into that and you just accept it, that you're not going to be freaking Walt Whitman every day. And that's okay. Putting it down on paper too, isn't it? Like getting it out of your head, actually seeing it, it just does something. Uh, tell us uh, the number one thing that's contributed to your success. Grit. How do you gain grit? How do you, how do you have that in you? You get up one more time when you think you can't. It really comes down to just, Mark Moses spoke at our event and uh, he said, what do you think it comes down to, skill or will? And the answer was will. And I just like, it just hit home with me so hard because dude, how many times do you get dealt like the death blow and you're like, I don't know how I'm coming back from this. And at that point, you just kind of like look around and you're like, all right, well, the dust is going to clear here and we're going to, you know, grab ourselves by the bootstraps and figure it out. And if you maintain that mindset, you can do just about whatever you want. I love that. And, and I think it's helpful to know that, hey, all these other people that we see and think are so successful so far ahead of us, guess what? They made that same decision, right? So many times they got back up. They've been knocked down. But it's easy to look at them and think, oh, you know, like that's never happened to them, right? And it has so many times. Tell us how you like to give back. My favorite way to give back, I run like a real estate investment meetup with uh, younger kids, men and women. I guess they're not kids at that point. Early 20s to mid 30s. And I enjoy giving knowledge. I think it's the give a man the ability to fish instead of giving them to fish. I'm a big believer in teaching people how to fish instead of giving them to fish. So if I can do that, that's got a ripple effect that can go really far. And it will last generation, right? Yeah. So Mark, absolute pleasure to meet you and have you on the show. And uh, I mean, just incredible story too. I love, I love sharing that with listeners because I know many of them are struggling with the same thing, whether they're a realtor now, you know, residential real estate or not, whatever J-O-B they're in, or uh, maybe some other passion or, you know, that they're pursuing they're and they're trying to transition and learn about commercial real estate. So you're another amazing story of making it happen, having grit, like you said, uh, and, and even your path, though, of becoming an LP and learning uh, other operators and how the business works and, and diving in and even now partnering with a with an operator, right? And getting on the general partnership side and making big things happen. So appreciate your transparency uh, and just being willing to share. How can the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you? Yeah, so um, investingwithmark.com. Um, that's the best way to do it. Um, that'll take you right. You can just sign up on the contact page and I'd love to uh, talk to you and see what I could do to add value and help. Thanks, Mark. I hope you have a blessed day. Cheers. Thanks, Wendy. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day.